Well, friends, we've been uh, journeying through some of the scripture these last couple months, and, and uh, we just finished a series called Take a Step, where we were looking and watching the Israelites moving out of, out of Egypt and into the promised land. And Tracy shared with you last week Joshua taking over leadership from Moses and, and leading into the promised land and, and, and taking the Israelites there and, and through battles with the Canaanites and dividing up the land into the, the different tribes of Israel. And then she shared a, about Joshua's final words. Choose this day whom you will serve. It's, it's a choice, Joshua said. And he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Well, friends, I'd like to tell you that from there, the story got really good. And they all made a good choice, and it was God. And, and, but it didn't quite go that way. We enter a time of, of disturbing violence, and, and it's a tragic tale of Israel becoming just like the Canaanites around them. Great moral corruption, first in the leaders and then throughout all of Israel. They, they began to drive out the Canaanites as God had, had shown them, and, and they didn't quite do exactly what God had told them to do, and and then there's this spiraling corruption of the judges. And, and the judges were, were appointed to lead various parts. They're kind of like tribal leaders of these various groups. And they became corrupt. The whole Israel became corrupt. And it led to a civil war within Israel. And then toward the end of Judges, we hear these couple of words repeated chapter after chapter after chapter. Beginning in verse or chapter 17 of Judges, it says, In those days Israel had no king. And in the next chapter, In those days Israel had no king. In those days Israel had no king. Culminating to the very final verse, Judges 21, 25, it says, In those days Israel had no king, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And if you think about those words, in those days, Israel had no king. And we, we rewind back to where we started with Moses and in, in, in the Israelites in the desert wandering and how God was speaking to them. You, you might remember Moses called, was called up onto the mountain and God was speaking to Moses and he said this. He said, this is what you should tell Jacob's household, the Israelites, and declare to them, you saw what I did to the Egyptians and how I lifted you up on eagles' wings and brought you to me. So now if you faithfully obey me and stay true to my covenant, you will be my most precious possession in all the earth. Since the whole earth belongs to me. You will be a kingdom of priests for me and a holy nation these are the words, Moses, that you should share with the Israelites. You know, I'm not, I'm not a real smart guy, but if we're a kingdom of priests, 
and we are God's most precious possession, then that makes God a king, right? That's kind of like SAT analogies, right? If we're kingdom of priests, then God's the king. So these Israelites, there was no king, but they, they just didn't see the king. They forgot the king. They didn't see God as the king that they wanted. They wanted a king like every other earthly nation around them, like the Canaanites had and like the Moabites had and all the nations that they had interacted with. They wanted a king just like everybody else. Well, what God had told them is, you're to be a, a special people, set apart, a holy set-apart nation, different from everyone else, so that you can bless everyone else. And they forgot their way. Around that same time, there was this, this prophet judge named Samuel who was, who was coming up and, and, and growing in, in stature around toward the end of the time of the judges, kind of around the time of Samson, if that can put it in perspective. And people came to Samuel and said, you know, we want a king. We want a king just like everybody else. Well, anoint us a king, Samuel. Well, this troubled Samuel, and he went to God with this request, and, and, and Samuel was troubled. It didn't sit well with him, and, and he prayed, and God told him this. He says in 1 Samuel 8, beginning in verse 7, comply with the people's request, everything they ask of you, because they haven't rejected you, Samuel. No, they've rejected me as king over them. They're only doing what they've been doing to me from the day I brought them out of Egypt to this very minute, abandoning me and worshiping other gods. So, so Samuel, comply with their request, but to give them a clear warning, telling them how the king will rule over them. They want a king. God's going to give them a king. Many times in our lives, that's what happens. We, we have a prayer, we have a desire. God just gives us what we want, what we're asking for. Hopefully it's within God's will of something that God would want us to have, but many times it's, this is the consequence of free will, that God just gives us what we're asking for. The Israelites want a king like everyone else, and God gives them a king like everyone else. Samuel anoints this guy named Saul, who is, is said in the scriptures, he's, he's head and shoulders above everyone else, and he's most handsome, and he's anointed to be the leader. And Saul has some great success and has a great, great tumble into failure. So as I was pondering this, this story, this, this tragic story that that really points to the Israelites' needs for God's grace and to our need for God's grace through a king. Just like the Israelites, we need to recognize that we have a king in God, and our king is Jesus. So it got me thinking, don't we do exactly the same thing that the Israelites are doing? We, we are a set-apart group of people we're a kingdom of priests, just like they are a holy nation. 
saints and sinners amongst us? If you're like me, saint one minute, sinner the next minute. We do exactly the same thing. We want a king. We we want someone who will rule over us and, and guide us and make our lives better. We might not be looking for the same kind of king that they were looking for, but but we do look for a king in 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 our politicians and in our government. I think we look for a king, at least I look for a king in, in the good life. You know, in in having things and in good jobs and in being uh, stable financially and, and in titles and prestige. Sometimes I think we look for a king in our, in our kids. You know, we, we are so adamant and want to care so well for our kids that our whole being revolves around them and their well-being. You know, we, we want our kids to, to have an education we didn't have, so we, at an early age, push them into many, many different things. So the ki- our kids and our lives become a schedule from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. And there is no, there is no margin of life. We want our, our children to be successful in a sport. So at a young, young age, they're in a specialized sport. These are all good things, but, but our life, our focus of our life becomes revolving around our kids. And it, or it, may, it might be our spouse, or our, our, our aging parents, or just our families in general might become a king that we are being led by. Or it might be a heretic, but dare I say the church might be a king that might be falsely placed. We're not called to follow the church. We're not called to follow this building. We're called to follow the king, King Jesus. Our faith is not here to, so that uh, a few or all of us are here in this place every time the doors are open. That's not what our faith is calling us to be. Our, our faith is calling us to model our lives after King Jesus and serve as King Jesus served. So I think the church can become a false king for us. And, and there's many others. You might be thinking of many different things in, in your life in your experience where you've had some misplaced kingship. It might be a good thing for us to just reflect on this week. What's, what am I putting on that pedestal of kingship in my life? Is it the king that calls us to be a, a priest, a kingdom of priests in a holy nation? Or is it something else? just like the rest of the neighbors and nations that we have. These things, these things and people that should we put in places of a king are, are people that shouldn't be rolling over us and leading us and guiding us. There, there's only one king, friends, that we should be following. Only one worth following. Only one that always has our best interest in mind. Only one because... This king is the only one who is great and worthy of praise, whose greatness can't be grasped, who is merciful and compassionate, 
who is very patient and full of faithful love. Only one, friends, who is good to everyone and everything. Only one whose kingdom will last forever and whose rule will last forever and whose leadership will endure from one generation to another and another and another. Only one who the saints of the past and the saints of the future will be led by. And it's Jesus the Christ. And that's our calling today is we want a king just like the Israelites and our calling today is to identify and recognize that Jesus is our king. As we've been thinking about this series of kings and kingdoms this month of November, culminating on Christ the King Sunday, on the last Sunday of the month, I couldn't get this one old gospel tune out of my head. You, you might recognize it. It's, um, it goes like this. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name. Everything that we put up as a king in a kingdom will pass away, but one will remain as our one and true king. Jesus the Christ. Amen? And so now the king invites us to the table where we get to share a holy meal that he offers each one of us with abundance and grace. The words will be on the screen as we go to the Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. 
it is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you. Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, of Abraham and Sarah, of Miriam and Moses, of Joshua and Deborah, of Ruth and David, God of the priests and the prophets, God of Mary and Joseph, God of the apostles and the martyrs, God of our mothers, God of our fathers, God of our children to all generations. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join in their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took the bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, he gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and he said, drink from this all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith together, saying, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here, and on these gifts of bread and wine, make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world, the body of Christ, our King, redeemed by his blood. Renew our communion with all your saints, Lord, especially those within our hearts that we name now in a moment of silence. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, strengthen us, Lord, to run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen like to invite the communion servers and also the praise band forward to prepare for communion.
just a reminder to all of us that this table is an open table. It's not the United Methodist table. It's not um, Grace Community's table. It is Christ's table that is open for all people. We'll have two stations here um, where you'll come forward down the aisles. You will take a piece of bread that's handed to you, dip it in the juice, and, and then eat that. Um, the altar and kneelers are open for prayer. We will also have a center station that's gluten-free. All are invited to the table. Friends, the table is open. Come to the table and be nourished.
Friends, as we celebrate this All Saints Day, may we remember those who've gone before us, who've who have persevered and paved the way for our personal faith and, and for our communal faith. And may we commit to following the true King, Jesus the Christ, leaving a path for those that follow. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen, amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.